This podcast is a part of the Podmania Podcasting Network. Check out podmania.co.uk to check out more of our great podcasts, features, reviews, match ratings and previews spanning the crazy and diverse world of professional wrestling. guys and welcome to the Young Lioncast, your fortnightly audio source for all things New Japan Pro Wrestling right here on the Podmania Podcasting Network. I'm your host Rob Gooden. I'm joined as always by my partner in crime, the Robin to my Batman. It is Chris O'Brien. How are you, Chris? You've made this joke before and it went into um, which Robin actually am I? Did we ever decide what Robin you were? Well, it, it totally depends. Like, do you think I have spin-off potential? Because if so, I'd be Nightwing. Well, actually, that's an interesting segue, because I was going to start with this. Ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't already, I encourage you to go and check out the Chris Corner podcast on uh, the Podmania website, where Chris has started his own spin-off solo venture, where he just talks about whatever he feels like. Now, week one, Chris, what were we talking about on week one? Um, well, you say week one like it's a weekly thing. It's a we- it's a whenever the fuck I want to do it thing. Um, and it's um the old Japan Excite series day one. I wasn't going to cut co- to cover it, but my notes on it are terrible because there's no notes. Um, but then the Kenta Miyahara and uh, versus Yuma, I can't even say a second name match happened, and it was great. Aoyagi, Aoyagi, there we go. If that just sounds like a way we say Dookie. <laughs> Dookie, um. But yes, I actively encourage you to go and check that out. Um, so yes, Chris, in answer to your question, I do feel like you have spin-off potential. Um, but ladies and gentlemen, we were originally supposed to record our um, review of the New Beginning and Osaka show last week, but unfortunately I caught scurvy from a load of my children. Um, so that's one of the issues with working in a school. I thought I'd escaped it, and apparently not. But we are here this week. We're going to give you two podcasts for the price of one both uploaded at exactly the same time um we are going to one is free we don't (laughs) charge for our podcast we're going to give you this our review of the new beginning in osaka show that happened on the 9th of february and then we'll give you a good old-fashioned wrestling classic where we review three pure wrestling matches and give you our hot takes and hot analytics but that's for a later podcast should we start with some news chris I guess so, yeah. You decide <laughs> You decide the format. I do. It is pretty much my baby, to be perfectly honest. Um, but... Apart from like those that um, nine months where it was mine. Yeah, I started, then realised I couldn't keep on top of it, then gave it to you, then decided I could keep on top of it again, and now it's mine again. It's pretty much how like, it's panned out. Do we not even, do we not even share custody? <laughs> we can share custody if you wish. Yes, that's absolutely fine. Um... Speaking of illness, um, <laughs> and that's an awful segue, <laughs> and I apologise for that. <laughs> you love that segue. Speaking of illness, people are dying, Rob. Yeah. People are dying. It is, to be honest, um, we're of course talking about coronavirus, which started in China and apparently has now spread to Japan. There's been an outbreak oh, in Japan. Dollars. 
some of our listeners must be going, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm, I want to escape the reality of the world. It's not been a great week for a lot of people. Things are getting more dystopian by the day. I mean, the UK got buffeted by storms and a popular um, TV host um, died. This is how, like, a, an, an apocalypse anime starts. And then they're like, oh, look, Young Lion. I doubt it's their favorite pure arrested podcast, but they're like, ah, those two guys talk shit. I can escape the world. No, bitch, coronavirus. You could die. You could die. It's uh, it's awful, and of course it spread to the UK, but it has apparently spread even worse into Japan, where there has been a big outbreak of it. Now, this outbreak has caused, um, obviously, lots of concern all over the country, and Stardom today has announced that they have cancelled um, five shows, um, and the dates are as follows. So their 22nd of February Osaka show has been cancelled. Their 23rd of February Nagoya show has been cancelled. Um, their 29th Shinkiba show has been cancelled. The 8th of March Corican Hall show will still be held, but it's going to be an empty arena, so no fans in attendance. And then both both shows on the 14th of March, so the Osaka Day and Night shows, have also been cancelled. The 23rd show in Nagoya was supposed to have Mayu Iwatani uh, defending her belt against Jungle Kiona. Jungle Kiona. I'm so sad. I understand like this is like the least bad thing to come out of a coronavirus outbreak. But also, Jungle was getting a shot, Rob. I know, and we know from Nagoya, the stardom so there's cast. no way. It's Nagoya, so there's no way that Jungle's going to win this. No, but like, not a chance. She she was going to go all fucking Kazuki's retirement ceremony in May, and it'd be great. <laughs> um, it was the February 22nd was also supposed to have an artist of stardom title match. Um, there's obviously also the ongoing high-speed Grand Prix, which has had to be sort of postponed um this apparently is due to bushy road apparently saying no enough is enough we need to wait until this is all blown over it'll be interesting to see obviously with bushy road being um a driving force behind new japan how that affects any new japan dates especially with the new japan cup coming up um it'll be interesting to see what they do chris yeah like we haven't had any word but new japan do have a tendency of not announcing something until the last possible second so, yeah, I mean, I don't think they wouldn't announce cancellations until the very last moment, especially seen as we've announced the stardom ones. And I mean, I know that as we are recording, it's the 18th, so we've been given four days' notice of the earliest one. But, you know, if New Japan are going ahead with um, the New Japan Road shows, which we'll be talking about um, in the news segment a bit later, then I don't really see why stardom has been cancelled and new japan isn't going to be cancelled yeah it's weird isn't it it's a very it's a strange one a very very strange one um it'll be in the 8th of march um corican show is going to be interesting to review with absolutely no crowd participation whatsoever that's going to be a weird ass show that should be the one isn't it getting uploaded in full to youtube if that's the case we could do it for watch long and drag garth along there is not a chance in hell that Garth will want to do that. He's been saying a lot of arguments about, hasn't he? Has our Garth? He has. He has. He's uh, he's upset quite a few people. Yeah, he called old Joshi fan sex perverts, which like, yeah, most of them. And um, he also got into an argument with my friend over housing, 
because I shared a post that says our generation might have it. Well, my generation, sorry, Rob, might have it quite bad because of the percentage of of how much houses cost. And then Garth, being an old man, had to go. No, it was it was worse back in my day. We had a war on. So <laughs> Garth always talks about how bad it was in his day. To be perfectly honest, so doesn't he? I mean, he 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 did live through the Black Plague, so. That is true. That is true. And the Battle of Hastings. So that lad has seen it all. He really has. A hundred years war must have been a bitch. A hundred years of it, man. <laughs> anyway. Imagine if it wasn't a hundred years and we were just fucking exaggerating. You know, like how you get people on Twitter, oh, this match has literally been going on for a year. Or Goldberg's streak. What we don't know is Garth is secretly Goldberg. <laughs> Let's move on then away from the rather morbid topic of coronavirus and let's move on to the all japan champions carnival because the champions carnival has announced its 2020 lineup and the lineup is as follows so we have got kento miyahara naoya nomura uh, we've got suwama jake lee uh Irie, zeus yoshitatsu yuma aoyagi uh Shikawa, ryoji sai kai ayato yoshida uh, Hideyoshi Kamatani, Takashi Sugira, Gianni Falletta, Joel Redman, Lucas Steele, and Davy Boy Smith Jr. Chris, your take on the Champions Carnival announcements? Well, I'm still new enough to like the overall All Japan products for people who's not named Kento Miyahara. So, like a lot of these names, I, I've only really seen in like undercard tag matches, but. It looks better than last year. A lot of them seem less immobile. Um, Eerie being in there makes me really happy because he he hits like a fucking tank. David, I'm glad to see David Boy has a chance to prove himself. The Noah dude, who's their national champion, I believe, is there in there, and he's really good. And yeah, just solid lineup. I might check it out, provided um, that Super Juniors isn't happening at the same time. <laughs> I like think it was last year. Yeah, I think Super Juniors is going to happen at the same time, though. And we'll talk about this later. New Japan's scheduling is a bit all out um, this year because of the whole the Olympics. Olympics thing. Um, so yeah, obviously, like you mentioned, Sugiura's in there. Um, the one that really stands out for me, <clears throat> and this is an odd one, is that Ayato Yoshida is in this, and of course, Yoshida was sort of a semi-young lion in New Japan last year and sort of just disappeared off the face of the earth and now has cropped up um, as some sort of freelancer. He's in 2AW, but um, some manner of freelancer in the Champions Carnival. So it'll be an interesting thing to see how he's coming along. That'll be quite interesting to check out. Um, That would be quite interesting. Isn't there someone from Big Japan in there as well? um, There is. Hideyoshi Kamatani is in this year as well. It's weird, from my understanding about Big Japan, like, I'm probably going to get this wrong because I've only heard this from, like, Facebook comments, but, like, there's two main um, divisions. There's a Hoss division and um, death matches. From my limited understanding of Big Japan, that's correct, yes. Um, so, like, I just imagine, like, if I had a training school, someone just walks in, it's like, you go into that room, you there, the five foot six one, you can go into the one with the room with the baseball bats, there you go. Um, you seven foot tall, get in there. You're gonna learn how to hit beef really hard, and <laughs> it's just <laughs> yeah. I imagine that's uh, that's pretty much how it's gonna go. You look at this card, then Chris. Yeah. And obviously Kento Miyahara still 
the Triple Crown champion and doesn't yes. look like dropping it at any point. Nope. The winner, similar to the G1, the winner of the Champions Carnival gets a shot at that Triple Crown Championship. Who is there in that that wins it? I mean, at the moment, it looks like No More is injured and is probably going to be a doubt for the tournament, so they're probably going to have to draft someone else in. Um, they've burnt through Jake Lee. Um, they've yeah, burnt I'm, through... I've, I've, I've only been watching New Japan for a few months, Old Japan rather for a few months, and I'm already fucking sick of Jake Lee versus Miyahara. I mean, uh, there was talk of Ayo Yagi being the next person to take the belt, and obviously at the Excite series, um, Kento Miyahara beat him. I mean... Not... Fair, it was really good. Have you seen that match yet? It's on my to-watch list. It's great. So you know how our biggest problem with Miyahara is that he doesn't normally sell really well? At all. He sold. Did he? He actually fucking sold. Oh, I'm proud of him. Like, um, the, I'm, I'm going to assume you don't care about, like, light match spoilers. So, um, had him, um, Imara was targeting Miyahara's um, arm the whole match. Miyahara stopped, like, punching and forearming, just used his knees, and, like, only used his arms when he was trying to go for, like, moves that would kill um, Yuma, so. Fair enough. So, like, he only used his arms for long enough for it to be believable. So, like, actually, like, it's much better than the Jake Lee match from last month. Yeah, and you were, you enjoyed the Jake Lee match as well. I did. Well, I gave it an eight. I think it's better than anything, most things on TakeOver last night, so. I mean, you're wrong, but okay. Um, Looking down the card, there's no name that instantly, I mean, the name that jumped out for me was Nomura, but obviously he's injured and might not even be taking part in the tournament. So, you look down, I mean, Kenta Mihara already beat Kai a year ago at New Year's War. Um, he's beaten Aoyagi. Um, I know he's beaten Zeus at least twice. Um, so you're looking at Ishikawa, Suwama, well, they're the tag team champions, I can't see them. Well, Suwama's, Suwama, Suwama's the next challenger. Is Suwama the next challenger? Yeah, he challenged him after um, the Iwaga match. So. You don't really see him winning it, though, do you? Shaman, no. Although, maybe. <laughs> then again, it's hilarious the like pop that um, Miyahara gets compared to literally everyone else. Yeah, and I think that's the problem all Japan has at the moment. There is no one. Whereas in New Japan, you've got Okada, but you've also got Naito, Tanahashi, you know, all of that, you know, Kota Ibushi. You've got those fact, four like, people. In- and like, if you're taking like the other like for me the other two ones that I watch, uh, Noah and Stardom, and that like, um, Noah has Kaito and Stardom has Mayo, but we still have like people on their level. Like you have Goshiyazaki and Nakajima, and like, a ton of people in Noah, and then you have like Momo Jungle, well not Jungle, it's a shame it's not Jungle, but like Hannah and people like that in Stardom. So like. I don't know. In reality, it shouldn't be that hard to get people on Kento's level, but also, apparently, they can't fucking do it. It's not all about in-ring ability, though, is it? I mean, sometimes you have got to have that star factor. And No, exactly. Just the way he walks to the ring, I'm like, oh, man, you're a fucking champion. He is, and that's one of my issues with Kaito and Noah. I, I don't feel he's got what Miyahara, what Okada, you know, that, I mean, I know that he is obscenely young, but that's, that's my no, own opinion. He's proper baby-faced, isn't it? We'll get more into this in the classic, but like, I see more in Kaito than you do. Yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a big fan. Um, 
but yeah, we'll keep. Obviously, we'll both be dipping in and out of the Champions Carnival as it happens. It starts um, April time, which again is pretty much right at the start of the Best of the Super Juniors, which I think starts at the beginning of May, I believe. And then, like a month, uh, two months late. Well, actually, no, like not until September for the G One this year. Thank Christ, we can have a break. Yeah, unfortunately, it does mean that obviously we go from the G One pretty much straight into that trek that is known as World Tag League. But you don't, we don't need to watch tag. Why don't we just treat ourselves and do the old Japan Tag League? Because that's actually good. We could do that. We might do that, ladies and gentlemen. Keep it. Keep it to uh, the Young Lion cast to see what we do. I'll just do a fuck ton of classics like we did last time. <laughs> and honestly, unless they announce that they fucking resurrected John Lennon and somehow he's going to be in a tag team in there with fucking Paul McCartney, I don't care. And even then, I wouldn't want to see John Lennon wrestle. I just don't believe that they resurrected him. But then again, like if Antonio Inoki was there, he'd try. Yeah. <laughs> he's a mad old man. <laughs> he is. Um, right, let's move on from this then. Let's move on to the next thing, which is the Wrestle Dynasty show. Now, during the show that we're going to review, the New Beginning at Osaka show, um, New Japan took the time out to announce that they will be running Madison Square Garden again, seemingly off their own back with no help from Ring of Honor. And this show will be called Wrestle Dynasty from Madison Square Garden on the 22nd of August, which is almost bang in the middle of TakeOver, in the middle of um, SummerSlam, in the middle of roughly All Out as well. So what an absolutely mammoth couple of weeks for wrestling that's going to be. But if the G1 Supercard, New Japan side of it anyway, is anything to go by, I am extremely, extremely excited for this, especially if, you know, this is going to be a regular thing, if this is going to be their, basically, their summer slam, their summer big show, you know, alongside Dominion. I am very, very excited about this, Chris. Um, So am I. On, on the production side, traditionally when New Japan aren't having, produ- um, having Ring of Honor help them with production, it doesn't go well. Yeah, um, like I'm just gonna point to the last few American tours for that one. When Ring of Honor is not helping New Japan, because so we want to put Ring of Honor, it's a fa- it, because it's owned by Sinclair. It's a fairly good um, producing machine, but at the same time, and New Japan is, but not in America, and we probably don't have the money to ship over all these good people to America. <laughs> no, you raise a good point. Um... I mean, you look at Royal Quest, which was New Japan's own attempt at running a foreign show, and obviously they had all the issues with the commentary, they had all the issues with the sound quality, and, you know, while that's not 100% New Japan's fault, it does raise a few questions about how they're going to do it at Madison Square Garden. I think there is enough help out there for New Japan. I mean, for God's sake, they have a a Western expansion, we should be able to do something decent from Madison Square Garden. I, I don't know, have you seen the production of the shows from America from this last tour? I've seen the odds match, but nothing else apart from that now. But, but like, how awful is the camera work? 
It's slightly like different, had, Chris, was, from a single camera show to what they would do at Madison Square they Garden. Sing, they weren't single camera shows, up. They had like a, they had like a far camera setup. Even so, they're not going to employ the same the same camera work in a six hundred seat venue or you know whatever it was a one thousand two hundred seat venue to Madison Square Garden. They're they're just not, and I feel like. They will. They they'll pull out all the stops for this show. They have to. It's Madison Square Garden, especially if they want to continue to run this venue. They want to continue employing this as this big American show. And if this raises, you know, awareness of the American brand, then that's an additional thing to to be grateful for. But I think that they will. They will have to sort out their media sort of side of things, their recording side of things, and I think they will. I don't think it will be an issue. Yeah, like, you can only help there. Um, honestly, I'm looking... All the like, Ring of Honor matches from last time are just going to be replaced by tag match. To be fair, I doubt they're going to go as all out in terms of title matches as we did with um, with G1 Supercat. But also, in terms of drawing, I'm slightly worried because we, one of the main reasons G1 Supercard drew was because it was in the middle of the hottest wrestling weekend of the year. Like, I'm not being funny. People go to WrestleMania weekend even if they're not going to WrestleMania sometimes. So, like, if you're a big name, you're going to do what, good business. Unless you're Impact, but, you know, fucking that's Impact. You do say that, but I did mention before... It's smart, and yes, I am perfectly aware that SummerSlam weekend is not a patch on WrestleMania weekend, but... But is SummerSlam in New York, bro? Uh, SummerSlam... Ooh, I don't know where SummerSlam is. Keep talking, I'll find out for you now. But, like, it was... It was in the middle of WrestleMania weekend, you know, the same crowd going to that are going to be a lot of the same crowd that's going to take over, you know? So, like... But... I'm not saying they were piggybacking off the back top of that, or they wouldn't have done well, but like the placement for that was extremely, extremely deliberate. SummerSlam is August 23rd uh, from Boston, Massachusetts, which means that Wrestle Boston. Dynasty, yep, um, which is in American terms pretty much around the corner, um, but that means that Wrestle Dynasty will be running head to head with Takeover. Which is bold. That's bold, especially since like New York isn't a million miles from Boston. No, so again, I don't think there'll be an issue. I think that they will draw, and I I disagree with you. I think that I they will go all out. I think that. Do you remember, do you remember the last arena show they did in America? Because it was for G One, and while that show was great, and there was actually a relatively small amount of production issues compared to Royal Quest. Exactly. That, that arena was half fucking empty. Yeah, but that's different, Chris. <laughs> you, because it's a G1 show. You can't, anna- you can't announce the card until you've announced the competitors for the G1. Whereas this is not a G1 show. It's not a league. It's not a round. It's not a cog in a much bigger machine. It is a standalone show. You can announce title matches, or you can at least announce you know certain parts of this show. You you struggle with the G1. Admittedly, that their entire way they advertised that show and the way they did things for that show was absolute bollocks and they did it the wrong way around and all sorts but this is different in my opinion you because you've 
you announce title matches. You say there will be an IWGP Heavyweight Championship defense. There will be an IWGP Intercontinental Championship defense. You don't necessarily have to announce the competitors, but you can announce what sort of thing you can expect. Because if you, you know, announce, well, this is going to be main evented in an by a 10-man elimination tag between Chaos and the Bullet Club, then it's suicide. Absolute suicide. And they'll know that as well. I guess. But also, like, with a G1, like, I'm not being funny. The New Japan audience will know that you're going to get five high-quality matches. And we got four high-quality matches. And then Evil versus Valley. But, <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, I think, like, if you're a New Japan fan, like, I guess we can't just rely on, like, um New Japan fans coming in. But, like, if you're a New Japan fan, you know that you're going to get several great matches from a G1 show. I don't know. Like, I just think it's cute. Like, I'm curious. I'm more curious than anything to see how we will draw outside of a weekend where, like, a million smarks are in the city anyway. Yeah, it's... I agree with that. I think it'll be... It's interesting that they've chosen SummerSlam weekend as opposed to WrestleMania weekend. Um, But obviously, they've had to change their entire schedule around because of, you know, as we spoke about before, the Olympics. It will be interesting, though, spoilers, by the way, it'll be interesting to see who holds the IWGP United States Championship because that will surely have to be defended at Madison Square Garden. If it's still on Moxley, who cannot... They can't. Exactly, it, it can't. Both, both Moxley and Jericho can't turn up. Who would like... I assume at big international draws, I can only assume that's the only reason we keep him around, because Jericho, with the exception of when um, he faced Omega the first time, hasn't increased... Um, attendance in Japan. Um, I don't know. Actually, if you look, if he's increased it by any, it's been like negligible points for you can, um, increments that you can just put to New Japan's growth. Are we talking about Jericho or Moxley? Jericho. Oh, okay. No, I agree with you on Jericho. The the first big reveal of Jericho and before Wrestle Kingdom 12, I think he yeah. did bring that bump. However, oh, yeah, each he time did, he's he returned... Yeah, now I'm just done with it. Yeah, it's the, it's the worst, isn't it? It's diminishing returns every time he returns. It's, it's like, uh, same thing. Same thing happened when he came back, when he started to come back to WWE. He came back in 2007, had his run, came back. That was grand. Came back 2012, that was also grand. And then it started becoming a fucking yearly thing. Hmm. And it would it would never be for a story. Just like, oh, Jericho's here. That's what it started becoming like in the G1. And Garth tells me, because he watches AEW, that Jericho has a really strong sense of storytelling. If he has it, he's not bringing it to New Japan. No, well, when you turn up and you do one match and you do one build, you don't necessarily have to be a great storyteller, do you? But I think... You can tell a great story from just coming. He managed to tell a decent story with Omega and kind of with Naito like he kind of had a reason to attack Naito but then like did he, he just started going Naito was IC no he wasn't even IC champion was he no he had no fucking reason to attack Naito Jesus Christ fucking hell Jericho no because IC champ was Hiroshi Tanahashi yeah no no and then Suzuki had it yeah fuck fuck's sake right okay no I, I hate him I hate Jericho <laughs> Anyway, let's move on from this. I Just one last point from me. I, I don't think they will have a problem drawing without Ring of Honor because, let's face it, oh, and I, this is I not don't... my me being a dick, There's there are very, very few people who are going to the G1 Supercard show last year just to watch Ring of Honor. You can't tell me that... 
people wanted just to go to Madison Square Garden to see a ladder match between Marty Skill, Jay Lethal, and Matt Taven. It, it just doesn't happen. You go for the things that you don't see every day. Jay White versus Okada, your Naito versus Ibushi. And I think if you post big enough matches that they won't have a problem drawing. Possibly. I, like, honestly, like there's just so many factors not there. Like, Ring of Honor was only in there for, like, production. Because, like, when you think of, like, um, AEW's first um, proof of concept in All In was, like, the production team behind that was Ring of Honor. Yeah. So like, and that as my awesome point, look, and you look at the um, setup for the G1 um, show once again. It wasn't exactly a nice looking set. It wasn't even a set really. But I don't know. Like this is something I don't care about, but like I know like American fans do care about. Mm. It's weird. Well, let's like, move away people... from this now. I think. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, we're just going to end up talking around in circles. I think. However... Isn't that what we do anyway? Yeah, we do. Let's move on to the New Japan Road shows then. So, as we record, like I've already said, it's the 18th of February. Both of these are going up on the 19th. So, as you are listening to this, on the Thursday, February the 20th, um, at Corican Hall, we have got the New Japan Road show, which is going to be main-evented with Shingo Takagi in his first title defense of the Never Openweight Championship against Tomohiro Ishii. And then on Friday the 21st, that is being main evented by an IWGP heavyweight tag team match, which again, you wouldn't necessarily think, oh great, but it is between the champions, the Gorillas of Destiny, uh, against the challengers, Kota Ibushi and Hiroshi Tanahashi. Also on the undercard, you've got a never openweight six-man championship match uh, between Bushi, Evil and Shingo, the, ta- the champions, against Yano, Colcabana and Taguchi. And horrible as it sounds, I can see LIJ dropping the titles there. Chris, what do you think of these shows? Does it make you want to watch them? I mean, how are you feeling about them? I'm more interested in... Um... These when I was haven't I been in a New Japan Roadshow for a while? <laughs> like when's the last time you cared about New Japan Roadshow? Um the last one I actually sat down and watched was the Izuka Retirement New Japan Roadshow. <laughs> which just goes to show really, you know, I only reviewed it because I only watched it because my girlfriend was out and there was nothing on, so I was like, oh, I'll sit down and watch it and I regret every minute of it. Um But like you say, you've actually got high-stakes matches. I mean, I forgot to mention, on the 20th of February show, um, you've also got, as the semi-main, you've got an IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championship match between Rapongi 3K and the the Super Coaches in Rocky Romero and Taguchi, which is a really interesting dynamic, which, of course, they set up at the show that we are going to talk about in a moment. But, yeah, you're absolutely right, Chris. These are... Pardon me, far, far better cards than they had any right to be, really. Yeah, like, Nakanishi's retirement is even, like, the main thing of the tour. And normally with the retirement, it would, would be, like, I remember with the Kazuna Road, a road to Kazuna, um, oh, no, it was Road to Destruction. No, it was Kazuna Road. One of the two, where Super Strong Machine's retirement was the big. <laughs> well, um, don't thing. forget, on the 22nd, there is an entire retirement sort of ceremony based around Manabu Nakanishi, similar to Azuka, where the match is yeah. going to be the team of Nagata, Kojima, Tenzan, and Nakanishi taking on the team of Goto, Ibushi, Tanahashi, and Okada. Did you see he got an All Japan send-off? 
He did, and I thought that was ace. I thought that was really, really good. I'm glad, yeah, to be perfectly really honest, he's getting the amount of send-off that he is because he's he's come out and said, look, I know I haven't been able to you know, compete at the same level that perhaps I should have been able to, but basically my neck has been fucked since I came back, and perhaps I shouldn't have come back, but I just couldn't let this go. And do you know what? I, I fair enough. I'm completely agree in agreement with him because sometimes, even though you your body knows you can't do something, you it doesn't stop you wanting to carry on. And I do I do feel sorry for him. And now that he's come out and he acknowledged it as well, it just it humanizes him a little bit, and he sort of, you can relate to him. So I am going to miss Nakanishi. Um, who else is going to? do the monster morning chance and who else is going to team with Yuji Nagata in uh, the the staple of the New Japan year that is the the uh, New Japan Tag League um but although there was a uh, um that match was actually quite funny cuz Tajiri was in it oh jesus christ no Tajiri was in it Yoshihashi like the best worker in there's probably Janakiyama but and he's a million years old as well <laughs> Oh god, yeah, it's it's not great. But we've got also, which we'll talk about later, we've also got the anniversary tour as well, which we'll talk about very, very shortly. Um, Chris, shall we actually go into the new beginning in Osaka show? Because that sort of leads us into a couple of questions that I want to ask. Shall we go into yeah, it? Um yeah. First of all, we don't need to talk about this first match. It was another Nakanishi retirement match with Kojima and Tenzan and Nakanishi date. And the basically the daddies taking on GBH, um, Taguchi and Hanare. For once, there's an there's an opening match where Taguchi doesn't bafflingly get a win, and we can move on. Yeah, seven minutes and nine seconds off. Pretty much, dads doing dad things. Um... Kojima wins it with a lariat. Not a lot to say, Some really. Daddies in this match. There are. Nakanishi got his little send off at the end, um, which I thought was really, really nice. They gave him an excellent reception. Really good respect from everyone in the ring, obviously. Um, Hanare, again, probably the standout of this match, continues to look good. I thought his little exchanges with Nagata were ace. We'll see how he goes in the New Japan Cup because that, for me, will be an indicator of what's in store for Toa Hanare. Agreed? Watch him not end up. Yeah, watch him not end up in the New Japan Cup. Well, yeah, he probably. If it's a sixteen-man field, there is a horrible, horrible chance that Hanare will not be in it. However, if it's a thirty-two-man field, he obviously will be. If it's a sixteen-man yeah. field, I feel that he should be in. I feel like he should get a big win in the first round. Now, big win. I don't mean over Okada. Obviously, I just like a goat or an Ishi. Maybe not even that. Someone like I don't know, <laughs> Tamatonga. Just like horrible as it sounds, like a Taichi or no, not even like that. Like a Yujiro or something like that. I mean, it would involve Yujiro yeah, actually being in. Yujiro, that's not a big win. That's barely a win. I'll be honest, Chris. If it's not a young lion at the moment, Toa Hanare doesn't beat them. So <laughs> I mean, any challenging Shingo. Well, yeah, assuming that Shingo beats Ishii. But again, I just feel like Toa Hanare needs a win. Well, she the ball drop. Maybe put, maybe put uh, Makabe in there and have him beat Makabe. Or Nagata. Yeah. Like, Nagata could probably carry him. Nagata could, I, I don't think Toa Hanare needs carrying. I just think he needs experience in the ring against these big competitors. There's only so much that he can get 
at a beating young lions and basically staring yeah. at the lights after two minutes after being squashed by Farley. To be fair, that was like, two, that's like what, 18 months ago now. <laughs> we really need to get up. No, I anyway. can't get over that, Chris, because <laughs> what was the fucking point? However... Mick Farley. Wasn't it, wasn't it but just before... No, this is, this is post-year. This is destruction, wasn't it? That happened. Uh, yeah, why the fuck did we do that? No, it was destruction two years ago. Oh, no. Yeah, it was. It was destruction two years ago. We should get over it. Yeah, so it was, so it, it was post-G1, though. So that's baffling. Yeah, no, no, I'm annoyed. Let's just move on. Um, but I will say, attack- just quickly, oh. I will just say, how good a story beat would it be if Tohanare was to beat Farley in the first round of the New Japan Cup? In a Goldberg style squad, it would be amazing. Um, Mostly because Van Farley definitely isn't making it into the G1. Anyway, second this match. match was bloody brilliant. It was the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championship match with the champions Rapongi 3K retaining their belts, defeating Suzuki Goon team of Yoshinabu Kanemaru and El Desperado in 16 minutes and 22 seconds with a strong X. Chris, go for it. Tell me what you loved. Very quickly. Um, my brother walked in during this match and he was like, he saw Desperado and Desperado is quite a striking figure to see and he was like, who's that? I'm like, oh that's El Desperado. He's like, oh is he from Mexico? I'm, no, he's, I'm like, no he's Japanese actually and he got really confused <laughs> Really? That was the thing that confused him? I mean like of, of all the wrestling he like he walked on me, on, on me the other week when I was trying out DDT and that's very hard to explain away. Not where I thought you were going with that Chris. Not where I thought you were going to go with that where you thought I was going to go with that is easier to explain than DDT. That is true. It's just porn! <laughs> I mean, like, Joey Ryan fucking flipping a table with his penis. Jesus, yeah. I, could, I should have just said it's porn and let him, like, think I'm in something. Rather than I, I've just hit sort of rock bottom in terms of wrestling fandom. Um, <laughs> no, like, um, they targeted Show's leg. And who knew that Show was such a good seller? It, he No, I agree. And I liked the way that this inevitably made Yo step up to the plate. And again, we talk about it pretty much every podcast at the moment. The commentary team did a fantastic job of saying, well, show's the powerhouse. What are they going to do without show? I mean, Suzuki Goon are fantastic. They're relentless in their targeting of a limb. And you know... The thing that I love, Chris, is when a limb is targeted and it plays either into the main story of the match and it continues to be sold, which you've already pointed out, show did fantastically, or if it plays a part in the finish, which it sort of did. But I absolutely loved this match. Anyway, carry on. Sorry, that was really rude of me to interrupt. Yeah, like, Yo seems like an actual threat now. Like, instead of just show and his friend, Yo-ho. Um, <laughs> and... Yeah, it's just a, it was a very simple but very great match. Like this is probably the best match these two, these two teams have had, and they've had a lot of matches. Yeah, so. yeah, they they have very very good chemistry, and we've talked before about how New Japan have this horrible formula of making matches go too long at the moment, and this uh, just uh, you know just over fifteen minutes think was perfect, absolutely perfect. Um, placement of the card, I think it could have been higher. Um, to be honest, but considering it's a title match, but also like it's the secondary tag belts, so I kind of get it. Like I know I think you either have this open or higher up the card. Second's a bit of a weird place for it. But then again, on the All Japan show, we had the All Asia tag belts. Actually, that's something I need to ask you. What the fu- like oh, I know the All Asia tag belts because that's what we had in like the old Kings Road stuff. What the fuck is the different difference between like the All Asia and the um, 
and the All Japan tag belts. My understanding was on... Oh, no, I was just going to say on the All Asia Junior ones, but didn't Jake Lee... Is Jake Lee still yeah, holding no, Jake... them? Yeah, Jake Lee's champ. <laughs> um, Yeah, I don't know then. I just know that they're the secondary belts behind the All Japan tag belts. Um, I know Nagata was holding them in like 2018. Your guess is as good as mine, mate. Your guess is as good as mine. I'll have to ask some sparks. Anyway, um, yeah, like just, is, I'm a simple man. Tiger leg, silver leg. I'm I'm going to be into your match. So, yeah, and like there's a fe- enough explosive action to make this feel like a junior match. I've given this a very high mark, Rob, and you're going to judge me for how high the mark is because I think it's New Japan Tag Match of the Year, to be honest. <laughs> I don't think it's Tag Match of the Year, but New Japan Tag Match of the Year, which I get isn't hard. It's like being the tallest midget, but... Eh, it was still I... good. I wouldn't go as far as that. Um... Right, name a better New Japan Tag Match this year. Uh... Go to an Ishii versus Evil and Shingo. Right, that's completely fair. I completely forgot about that, and I agree with you. This is the second best <laughs> New Japan tag match of the year. Um, what have you given I'm, it? I'm, I'm giving it an eight. Oh, I've given it an eight. I thought you were going to go eight. stupidly high. No, like, I'm trying to think what my highest rated tag match of the year is, actually. It's probably the Kagetsu retirement match. But then again, that wasn't really her retirement match because she came back and faced the whole roster. Yeah, it wasn't a retirement match. Um, well, she's freelance now. Yeah, she's just retiring from stardom. She's not retiring from wrestling. Man, that's really because when Hazuki retired, she just straight up retired. Okay, that explains why she's been turning up in like Sendai Guild and shit. Okay, cool, cool, cool. So after this match, Rocky Romero would come out to support his team um, as he does for the big matches, and Taguchi then came out, teamed with Rocky, and basically delivered a challenge to Rapongi 3K, who were absolutely livid that Rocky had decided to challenge them. Um, very quickly when Gucci came out I was like just turned to Rocky you are a really good wrestler and it's like I died Taguchi's brilliant um, basically that's the next challenge it's going to be the super coaches versus Rapongi 3K as we've already discussed at the New Japan Road shows I think that could be an absolutely outstanding match if any you know you look at Yo versus Rocky Romero from the best of super juniors just gone that was a great match it told a great story so this something as simple as you know we're coaches to sort of the young lions so to speak I know they're not actual young lions but you know you get my drift that simple storyline could be absolutely fantastic I don't see I don't see them taking the belts but it could be a great match this is like the season one finale to Yu-Gi-Oh! GX. What? <laughs> right, so like there's several different Yu-Gi-Oh! anime, right? Okay, Chris. One Chris, I, Chris like I'm going to stop like you Paris, right yeah. there. I don't give one single shit. But you said what? <laughs> Essentially, the one I grew up with was, was in a school, and at the end of season one, he faced the, he faced the person who was graduating. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> Match three then, special eight-man <laughs> tag team match. We've got the team of Ibushi, Hiroshi Tanahashi, David Finlay Jr. and Juice Robinson defeating the Bullet Club team of Chase Owens, Yujiro and the Gorillas of Destiny in 10 minutes and 50 seconds. Hiroshi Tanahashi rolling up Tangaloa with a schoolboy. Speaking of matches that there is absolutely no point talking about, Chris? Yeah. Um, yeah, just move. Can we move on? Because I will rant because Tangaloa just... 
did an interview where he said New Japan needs a better tag division. And I fucking agree, Mr. Lower. And here's, here's the thing. Tamatonga and Tangaloa are meant to be fucking brothers, right? Why do they have different second names? Isn't one of them... Oh, I don't know. I was going to say... <laughs> I thought one of them isn't Tangaloa adopted. Oh. But give him the second... Give, don't give him the same name. That might be wrong. If, I, if that is wrong, I apologise to anyone listening. But I, I'm sure... Oh, no. I don't think they are, actually. Oh, anyway... I thought that was the reason. <laughs> I thought that was the reason. You can't have Tamatonga and Tangatonga, for God's sake. You can't have Tangatonga. But his name isn't... I doubt his real name is Tang- Tanga. Because <laughs> Tonga's the country they're from. I'm not, you're not called fucking Rob Stoke. Although that sounds like an actual name, so that's a bad example. Well, surely not... if we're going countries, it'll be Rob England. Yeah, but like, I thought... But like, in my head, like... English is actually a second name, so I didn't want to do that. And then I was like, okay, I'll do Stoke. But that's also... I'm not called Chris East Lothian, okay? I'm not called fucking Chris Greater Edinburgh Area. Are you not? (laughs) Fair enough. What's the point? I thought you were. I apologise. I've been calling you that for the rest... for the entirety of the podcast. Jeff Hardy isn't called Jeff North Carolina. (laughs) Um, I gave this five because there's absolutely nothing to talk about aside from... The fact that, obviously, the challenge was laid out to the gorillas, uh, Hiroshi and Kotobushi. They attempted to get the blessing of Juice and Finley, and they seemed to give it quite grudgingly, especially David Finley, who seemed very, very annoyed. Um, and the commentary team said something very interesting, that Juice and David Finley were still at the head of the chasing pack for the belts. And... No, they're not. They they lost the belts. This isn't the WWE where you get an automatic rematch clause. I mean, apparently you fucking do because because G- did it. Well, yeah, I suppose if that's anything, yeah, okay, fair enough. If that's anything to go by, yeah, I agree. Um, but yeah, five stars. Nothing offensive, but absolutely nothing to talk about in regard to this match. We move on. Tag team match, match four with the Chaos team of Will Ospreay and Kazuchika Okada defeating the Suzuki-Goon team of Zack Sabre Jr. and Taichi in 11 minutes and 50 seconds with a Rainmaker. This, this match, of course, featuring some of the best talent in New Japan and Okada, Ospreay and Zack Sabre Jr. Um, <laughs> I have an issue with this match, Chris. In, in that, who cares? No. Oh, no. In, that, in that Chaos fucking go over again. The actual in-ring action in this match was great. For a, for a basically a special tag match, it was it was always going to be great. You've got Osprey Okada, Zack Sabre Jr. and Taichi, who's massively, massively improved in-ring. Um, my issue is, okay, we had Okada go over Taichi and Sapporo, and okay, I can, I can sort of get behind that in a way. Sort of. And the commentary team again at the start of this said, "Well, maybe that was what Tai Chi wanted. They just he just wanted to push him, punish him, and so on and so forth." And it got to the point where I was like, "Yeah, okay, maybe that was Tai Chi's plan. Then Tai Chi's going to absolutely steamroll through him today." No, 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 no. One rainmaker and Tai Chi was out. Yeah. What the fuck? And I understand Okada is you know your number one talent. He's your number one money grabber. He's your number one star of the company. I understand that. But your way to build new stars is to let other people go. Now, obviously, I assume this wasn't Okada's decision, but, you know, you have got 
Taichi in this match, who's just lost. And it was a good match in Sapporo, don't get me wrong. Again, we've discussed it, went too long, but it was a good match. What was there to lose from this match? Because Okada and Taichi were secondary anyway, because this was building towards Osprey and Zack Sabre Jr.'s rematch in RevPro. I've not heard anything about that. Have you heard anything about in terms of how good it was? Um, I've heard it was an Osprey-Zack Sabre Jr. match, which they're always outstanding. Always. Yeah, so. Um... But So if they aren't the main focus of this match, if Okada and Taichi aren't the main focus of this match, and you have the chance for Taichi to get an absolutely pivotal win, why not give it to him in this throwaway tag match? Because they keep fucking about with Taichi, and it's mean. <laughs> I like just... my heart, my heart can't take no more. <laughs> I'm so like honestly, yeah. I did, I did, I didn't want to talk about this match that much because you've said it. They're fucking Taichi up quite a lot, and like this match, this card already had what two feel good wins. Like you didn't need Okada to win here, especially since it's Osaka, and Osaka would probably find like Osaka would basically be Chicago of um. Japan, they'd probably find it funny if Taichi went over. It's not about finding stuff funny. I mean, yes, I agree. They'll probably pop for the fact that it's something out of the ordinary, but it's not that. It's the fact that you had the chance. I mean, I assume that Okada's gone over to basically put a firm and complete end to the Taichi feud, but this just fucks Taichi over again now because yeah, Taichi's got to work from the bottom. Again, I think you could have had Tai Chi win here and then like have Okada get his win back in the cup or something. Because I'll be honest, aside from ZSJ, which we'll talk about later, Suzuki Goon came out of this show looking like absolute fucking mugs again, which they yeah. always do. This is why people thought Suzuki was leaving last month. <laughs> well, I'll be honest, after the result, he probably should have done. <laughs> Anyway, let's move anyway. on, because that match really wound me up. And I'll be perfectly honest, no. Chris, this didn't help my mood. The singles mm. match, match five, Switchblade JY defeated Sonata at 21 minutes and 52 seconds with the Blade Runner. I'll let you go first on this, because I did rant about the last one, Chris. Honestly, this is a match I thought I would enjoy moderately if there was much of a story. Unfortunately, there was no story, so I didn't enjoy it moderately. <laughs> like, um, here's the thing, Sonata needs... It's emotionless. We've been over this before. And he needs someone who can drag emotion out of him. Now, Jay White works really well with people who show a lot of emotion. So, like, Abushi and Naito and a, even an Okada at times. A Tanahashi, definitely. Sonata is definitely the wrong person to put up against White. And, um, of course, it's going to result in a bang. It's like, this is a bang average match. Like, there were some good spots, but of course there were some good spots. We were in New Japan, you know what I mean? So, I don't, like, I, I don't think this is an awful match. I don't think this is, like, I, I, it's on the lower end of good, is my point. If you take Which match is... quality out of it, and don't get me wrong, you know, again, Sonata's grain ring, Jay White's grain ring, we've spoken about spots that shouldn't be done and I'm sorry but if you are facing someone who is supposed to be a dickhead heel you know someone who targets a limb and just repeatedly hurts you why the fuck would you break out the paradise lock it's a comedy move you don't break the paradise lock out for something like this or for a championship match you don't need to break it out every it is, single time 
it's the evil problem again, isn't it? A, That's a exactly of, what it is. Like, the only two people, like, there's a, a weird thing in LIJ where, like, Naito, um, Shingo, and Taka, they all wrestle as they should. Evil and um, Sonata can get either too boring or too cute for their own good, which has been shown on this tour. And then there's Bushi. <laughs> You've just been wanting to say that, haven't you? <laughs> it's, it's been fucking... It's been weighing on me, Rob. It, the problem is, we we do really fight the corner of Jay White. We, you know, his storytelling and things like that. I mean, but... We gave us a match with Naito at Wrestle Kingdom at 10, both of us. So Yeah, and potentially we were massively marky, but that's beside the point. I cannot now enjoy the amount that Gado is interrupting matches. I mean, fucking hell. I don't know if this is just the last few matches or if it's always been this way and I've just suddenly realised, but fucking hell, Gado was in the ring more than White was. Just fuck off. You are a manager. You are there to ele- to elevate White, not the other way around. If you want to be on telly, be part of the junior division. I know that he is an absolutely outstanding booker and I'll defend that to the hilt, but I'm sorry, there is absolutely... outstanding booker for the heavyweight, uh, for like... A- two or three divisions at the time as we can see a lot of divisions tend to fall by the wayside but you know continue yeah but <laughs> the, it just completely took away in championship matches okay-ish if it happens once but this was a match with no stakes uh, that was already m- dangerously meandering towards boring and then you've got Gado repeatedly coming in to do the same thing that they've done in every tag match where he attempts to go over the top rope and Sonata kicks the top rope into his Gingang Gooly Gooly Ghoulies. And I'm sorry, I'm getting bored of it. Gado- With, um, when we did have a G1 in the finals, it felt different. Like, it felt like, weirdly enough, it was a WWE thing, like stacking the odds against the babyface for the babyface to overcome. That's cool. But again, it's a, it's a special singles match where Sonada, and I'm not being funny, Jay White is a level above Sonada. Sonada doesn't look bad losing there right now, especially since he has fuck all else to do. And Jay White probably has a um, good to decent chance of winning the cup. So, <sighs> it's a, like, if it, this is just on every level, this match didn't work. Like, again, there's some cool bits. Like, for example, Jay White hits the best snap um, Sido in the business right now. But if I wanted that, I can just go watch one of Jay White's good matches. Well, one of Jay White's great matches, whatever. This was a decent match. I'll be honest, Chris. It went 21 minutes, 52 seconds, and the ending was still far too abrupt. It was literally pick up Blade Runner. Oh. Well, that's the thing. Jay White is someone who needs space. Like, Jay White is the one person who sort of justifies his long lengths in matches because if he's targeting something, it probably will play into a finish. Yeah, this this didn't have any cohesion whatsoever for me at all. And again, I am one of those people that will defend Jay White to the hilt. Jay Jay White is someone who needs someone to emotionally react, and Sonata is not that person. No, absolutely not. He isn't. When um when Sonata has a um, child one day, he's going to end up like fucking Kratos from God of War. It's like, hello, boy. Like probably not going to name it. Just going to call it boy. (sighs) I mean, I gave this six. I gave it a six because, like, honestly, like Jay White does enough interesting things, like little things, to keep you interested. 
Sonata is the sort of den in the water for me right now because he's really like just falling in on his laurels. It really does baffle me. <laughs> it really does that coming off the year that he had last year, that he is the only member, the only member of Lij that includes Bushi. The only member who hasn't got a title. It just, it's like, what? How has this happened? And not only that, he's the only one without a storyline. So, yeah, I, I didn't like this match. I didn't like the way it was set up. Um, I'm giving it six, mainly because both men are more than adequate in the ring. But, yeah, this will not be one for the rewatch and one that I I wouldn't encourage you to go out of your way to watch, to be perfectly honest, which is a shame, but that's by the by. We move on then to a match that I highly, highly recommend, and it's the sixth match, the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship match between the champion Hiromu Takahashi and defeating the challenger Ryu Lee in 23 minutes and 54 seconds with a time bomb. Chris, opinion of this match? Um, first of all, I'm still getting used to Ryu Lee's name, and it's been like, what, three months now? Yeah, when did we first find out? It was the World Tag and, League final. Yeah, so... December. So, so, yeah, coming on three months. No, coming on two months, rather. Yeah. Um, fucking... Fuck's sake. <laughs> why, why can't... It's called Dragon League Ring of Honor. Why is it called... It makes no sense. Is it just to sort of help save the CMLL partnership? Yeah, you'd assume so. You want to make that as painless as possible. Honestly, it's not like it's like you were trying to keep a good relationship with someone while still being while dating their ex, and then just you got when you go to like a party or something, you still bring her along, but call her fucking I don't know Susanna instead of Susie, and it's like still the same person. Fucking hell, that was long winded, Chris. Jesus, <laughs> good grief, mate. I'm used to your tangents, but fuck me. <laughs> And this match is great. You think that was long? How long did these two fucking slap each other? Seven, Seven minutes. minutes. Seven, yeah, because it got to the five minute mark. I'm like, okay, we'll start flapping each other soon. No. <laughs> I enjoyed, I mean, don't get me wrong. If, to an extent, if you've seen a Hiromu versus Dragon Lee match, you've, you've pretty seen much seen them all, I'm not going to lie. Um, but this was still fucking great. They're all, they're all car crashes. <laughs> People, and we all remember our first. Do you remember your first, Rob? The first Dragon Lee versus Hiromu match? Yeah, sure. Let's see. That's what I was talking about. Well, if we're waiting for first sexual experience, I'm still waiting, mate. <laughs> um, <laughs> 30-year-old virgin. I'm not, ladies and gentlemen. Just going to quickly point yeah, that out. he's a 28-year-old. <laughs> no, <laughs> um, the first match, Hiromu uh, Dragon Lee was... Was it after... It was 2017... So it was after Dash. Oh, it was the Destruction show. No, it wasn't Destruction. Uh, oh, 2017. That would be fucking Fantastic Mania. No, no. He'd beaten Kushida for the belt at 11. Yeah, no, no, yeah, that was Destruction. And then, no, it, the, no, because Dragon Lee came out and challenged Takahashi at, at, at Dash. Da- Destruction's in September. To- no, oh fuck! I'm getting destruction mixed up in New Beginning. Right. Okay. No, that makes more sense. <laughs> I was like, why would he challenge you? Then go. I'm going to challenge you, but not yet. <laughs> destruction and New Beginning are very similar tours at different ends of the year. I get confused. Anyway, because um, oh, because I have fucking I got that grapple app 
Um, and I basically got it just to like as a quick reference for like overall. Like I have my little. As you know, Rob, I keep I keep track of what I believe is an eight or ten match or more now. And um, and I have grapple just so I can keep track of like other matches. Because sometimes someone goes, "What do you think of that match?" I'm like, "Oh shit, I don't remember it." One second. <laughs> um, but yeah. What were they on about? Oh no, because so I was, I was going to go rate this show, and I, I was looking at destruction, going, "What? What? What the fuck is? Like, this isn't the card." Oh right, wrong one. Um, anyway, this then after that, like, the, there's one thing I don't like about this match, and it's that we repeated the Doomsday Device spot from the Osprey match. They did. Um... It's not. It's not special if you do it again. Like, I'm not being funny. It was contrived in the Osprey match. It was. I mean. <laughs> You've also got to remember the this was a match that also contained the really fucking thunderbolt through the ropes over the top of the fucking guardrails. I will never, ever, ever get used to that move. Ever. Because no. I always think pardon me, someone is going to die. Um and Dragon Lee versus Hiremo has always happened almost happened, so Well they, I did enjoy obviously you've got Dragon Lee constantly targeting the neck, dropping Takahashi on his neck constantly um, teasing the Phoenix Plex spots which obviously we knew they were going to do. Crowd gasp. I've never heard a crowd gasp before. No, it was quite it was quite intriguing. However, that was not the worst spot of the night because Dragon Lee physically got dropped. It was it was like the Ibushi spot at Dominion. Yeah. Oh my god, Disgusting. his neck. Absolutely oh, disgusting. I just texted you, didn't I? Going, oh my god, his fucking yeah. neck! Yeah, Jesus Christ. Honestly, just at, and it was, you know, it was all it added to the match because this was the speed of the car crash match that they were doing. I still would have held off on this match. No, I still think this match at Dominion would have been more effective after Dragon Lee wins Super Juniors. That was my entire storyline for this year. I mean, I've still got who I think is going to win Best of the Super Juniors, but that's beside the point. I think really, I think they could have done more to build the storyline. I mean, for fuck's sake, really broke Hiromu Takahashi's neck, neck no, put him on I'm... the shelf for 18 months. Yeah, we did that, and then Takahashi took away Ryuli's, um dream match. <laughs> So you've got storyline there. You can't tell me that you can't build a story. And there was no story to this whatsoever. How have you not got... I mean, it's an implied storyline, obviously, and those people that are watching yeah, no, they religiously... Had, they, they had spots in there that like would have been more effective a few months down the line after this rivalry spilt. Like, however, they just had like their normal stupid match and then like one turns on the other or like Dragon Lee wins it... Um, in surprising fashion and then starts being a cunt about it that could have worked but yeah they've just like it doesn't take away from the quality of the match but like I don't know what the fuck the junior division does now <laughs> like does it just butt- twiddle its thumbs until um, super juniors um well we know what he's doing at the anniversary show um and yeah, then obviously like, that happens at any that happens at every anniversary show I know um but we... well, not every anniversary show but like for the last few years so we've got Dontaku, and then we'll have the best of the Super Juniors post Dontaku. So he's got one more tile defense, I reckon, and that will it'll probably be a filler tile defense before Dominion. So you're looking at someone like a Taguchi or something like that. Before I would be surprised if they threw. Um, is, has Takahashi got his match confirmed for 
um, Supercard of Honor yet because I'm not being funny. I'm not. I wouldn't be surprised if New Japan just threw a title match on there. Um, no, I don't think so. I don't. I I know he's appearing, and I know Shingo's appearing, but I, I everyone's fucking appearing. <laughs> I couldn't tell you who it's going to be. Um, for me, the next logical big challenger is Ishimori. You only say that because you want this match again. When in reality, Ishimori's been a bit of a pin eater for the last few months. So, like, the storyline, it's not all that natural. Like, in terms of, like, natural storylines right now because of Tatsu Naito going up again. Like, it's been, a w- it's been a weird two-part tour here where, like, Tatsu Naito's taken on Bullet Club and everyone else has taken on Chaos, last main unit in LIJ. So, like, if we're going to continue the Bullet Club LIJ thing, like, I'm not being funny. Um, drag- right now, and I know you hate this. In storyline, EOP is a much more fitting challenger because he's been winning more. No, no, no. I no, no, like just because you don't like him doesn't mean that doesn't make more sense in storyline. He's had his he's had an opportunity at the belt at destruction. Uh, yeah, and um, that was against someone else. Holy shit! Sorry, sorry. Uh, it's just absolutely hammering it down with rain. It scared the shit out of me. Cause I thought I'd spilt something. Yeah, I, I, was, I was wondering what that was. I thought you cracked your chair. No, that is rain. <laughs> is that is that um, Storm Dennis? Nah, we've already had Storm Dennis. This is Storm Dennis's angry cousin. It was the wind was awful up here. Um, for, sorry for the de- like last week. The wind was fucking awful. Like I'm pretty sure I'd be close to fourth bridge. Which is, it's a good thing it was a fucking um, reading week last week in uni. I wouldn't have been able to get in. Well, yeah. Bloody hell. Anyway, um, no, I think you give Ishimori a couple of big victories, or even just victories, a couple which, of pins. Which, which you will have have to do on this tour, which they haven't. No, well, you don't have to do it now. You give him a tag team <laughs> victory at the anniversary show. You give him a tag team victory at Dontaku night one and night two. They can just be in multi-man tags. Then you've got him on the back of three pinfall victories. He goes into best of the Super Juniors on, you know, hot. I mean, for God's sake, last year, Takamichinoku got a pinfall over Tiger Mask and everyone lost their shit. I mean, he went on to lose every single match, but that's beside the point, Chris. Remember last year when Duwaki got a few, um, got a win? And then I was like, maybe they're going to set him up. And then, like, because he was against a young lion. I was just going to say, it was against Ren Narita. No, that's right, because it was against a young lion. And I was sort of like, and like, he looked, that's probably his best match, to be honest. Uh, Yeah, it was. Because a young lion match is very simple. So, like, he could work it. And then I was like, oh, he's not too bad, this guy. Oh. Then the rest of the tournament happened. Ah, Daunaki. Luckily, um, Despy's back, so we're fine. We're safe. (laughs) I mean, you've got a built-in feud with Despi. You've got a built-in feud with Ishimori. I just, I, it's not that I don't like Phantasmo. Even if you know I loved Phantasmo, I still don't think his style would mesh with Takahashi's. I'm not, I'm not saying it would mesh. I'm saying you, you were saying like um, the next challenger, like if we're doing, if we're doing continuing the Bullet Club Lij thing, um, Hiromu. Like ELP is probably what's going to be positioned. Like I, I'm just being realistic rather than saying what I want. Well, don't forget then you've got Dontaku beforehand. Yeah, I know, but like who's wrestling at Dontaku? Probably ELP. There we go. Okay, moving on. Yeah, because um, yeah. Anyway, seventh match, semi-main. So we're giving that nine. Oh, right? what you? Yeah, I'm giving that a nine. Yeah, like Fine. literally, if they didn't have the Doomsday Device spot, because I don't like rep- all that much repetition, which is weird considering I'm a King's Road fan. Um, I was just gonna say, 
Some of the Noah like, stuff, that was all we had. But, like, I'm not being funny. In the terms of, um, like, I don't like rap, like, they different feuds. <laughs> if it was in another Osprey match, I'm fine with the callback. Here, it's sort of like you're doing a contrived spot for the sake of it. <laughs> We move on then anyway to the seventh match, the semi-main before the IWGP US Heavyweight Championship with the champion, John Moxley, defeating the challenger, Minoru Suzuki, in 17 minutes and 16 seconds with a Death Rider. Chris? Have you ever, have you ever noticed that the Japanese ring announcer adds an extra O into Moxley's name? Moxley? Yeah, Moxley. <laughs> Where are they getting the O from? Beats me. Beats me. Go on, mate. What do you think of this? This is really fun. This is... Because the two men are fucking insane. Yes, I agree. It was absolute car crash. I know you hate the booking decision of keeping it on Moxley. No, no, I don't. Now, let me get this out of the way. Now, I gave this a nine. So... Let's. Yeah, I've I've scored it, and I scored a high eight. So, like, we still really like this match. Yeah. Why was there comedy in this match, Chris? Because it's Moxley. No, that pisses me off. Moxley left the WWE because they made him do comedy. He wants to be this legitimate badass, and in the G One, he was. Aside from the stuff with Shota. He was a badass. You know, you look at his match with Ishii. Fucking hell. You look at his match with Taichi, for God's sake. JY. Like, the only bad match I can recall from Moxley in G1 was Cobb. Yeah, and I think Cobb got found out a little bit in some of the matches. Not in all of them. I thought Cobb had an alright G1. It's just that in some of them he got found out a little bit. His thing with Cobb, he's someone who's... the most gifable parts of wrestling will be found in Cobb. He's not like a Michael Elgin or a Brian Cage who can actually work a match. With Cobb, Cobb is really, really good at moves, but he needs someone else to lead him. Yeah. And like, Mox, he also needs someone who will bump for him, and Moxley does not bump. No. <sighs> Which is why I'm really confused at how AEW fans are really excited for Cobb versus Moxley. It'll be an interesting match. Um, We're going to hear it from Garth, and he's going to go, oh, it's shit. I can't wait for Jim Cornette to talk about it. Whose accent is that? I can't do I can't do another person. I can't do Garth's accent, so I didn't try. I was just going, uh, because that's how it just sounds whenever Garth talks about wrestling to me. He's like, uh, I hate it. Jesus um, Christ. But, like, um, yeah, like, fuck, fuck off. Anyway, this match. Yeah, I agree the comedy was a bit weird. Like, honestly, without the comedy, this could have been a 10. Like, it would have just stuck to, like, the best parts of this match. Even, you know, the chair battle. Straight away, Moxley coming through the crowd, Suzuki going to meet him. Brilliant. That intensity is what we wanted from this match, and there were bits of it. The slap exchanges, the forearm exchanges, the lariats. That's what we wanted. That fucking chair shot from Moxley on Suzuki's head. Fucking hell. Look it. Fucking broke it. Yeah, um, not, but, yeah, fucking, this is what we wanted from Moxley Omega. Yeah, exactly. This, I preferred to Moxley Omega, and that's yeah, by the by. Yeah, this was, this was less self-indulgent. Yeah, 100%. Like, how long did, like, Moxley Omega went, like, 40 minutes, didn't it? 
it went something ridiculous, yeah. Yeah, like, whereas this sort of, like, just went as long as it had to go. Which is a lesson New Japan should learn. Main event, main event. But, um... Yeah, like, honestly, the comedy didn't annoy me that much, because, like, I can see someone's character, like, Moxley doing that to Suzuki. I think the problem Moxley had was how stupid the comedy was. Yeah, like... When they're exchanging be, forearms or exchanging slaps and Moxley does that weird thing with his arms, that's fine. But then Suzuki shouldn't be parodying it. You know, just literally Suzuki... That, Suzuki's a massive cunt. Like, I understand he's scary, but he's also a massive cunt. Okay. Chris, was there any comedy whatsoever in the Suzuki Liger match? Okay, no, but that was very different. <laughs> it shouldn't be different. Moxley... In New Japan, aside from the stuff with Shota Umino, is not a comedic performer. There has been no comedy going into this feud, aside from Moxley kissing Suzuki backstage, which was weird, but I liked oh, it. Like... <laughs> to be fair, that's, how, that's, that's how we can describe um, uh, most of our love for Minoru Suzuki. To be do you follow Minoru Suzuki on Instagram? Yeah, I do. It's weird, isn't it? Fucking weird. Fucking like, weird. He like posts like nice selfies. Like he goes to visit Takayama in the hospital. He um fucking posts photos of his socks. I'm like, I don't trust this. Very strange. At all. It is very strange. Like, but somehow makes him more scary. It does. It does. Like you know when like in a movie where like a, a giant has to, is being forced to sit down for a cup of tea with a small child. Are you just referencing the BFG? Oh, shit. Yeah, that is what I'm referencing. Uh, it's not my favourite Rodale book, but I'll be told it. What's your favourite Rodale book? Um, do you know what? I'm a sucker for Fantastic Mr. Fox. You know what? That is a nice one. Um, it's an, I'm trying to think. It's, is Matilda my favourite? There's one I remember really liking. Um, SEO Trot. SEO Trot. No, because that, that, wasn't, that wasn't quite as deep as Matilda. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Uh, that's so overhyped. George's that Marvelous is, Medicine. That's a good one. Oh, James and the Giant's Peach. That's what I'm thinking of. Okay. I like how willing you were to go along with me on that one. Mate, I'm a primary school teacher. I know <laughs> Roald Dahl's back catalogue like anything. <laughs> what, what, basically that and um, a series of unfortunate events. That's what they had me reading through. Yeah, that's pretty much what I've got my kids reading at the moment. Sir, what do Thanks. you recommend? Lemony Snicket. To be fair, my niece is reading that right now and she keeps coming to me going, I can't believe Count Olaf did that. I'm like, yeah, I know. Um, to be fair, it's not as bad as what we had to read fucking Lord of the Flies in grammar school and that was awful. It, Lord of the Flies is an awful book. It take, it's, it's hard going, is Lord of it's the not, Flies. It's not only hard going, it's written by a bitter old man who like thinks the worst of, chil- of children and youth. It's basically gaff. <laughs> What? I was. I just. We hadn't had a Garth joke in a while, and like on the young lion, I like mentioning him to remind that at this audience that the podcast proper exists. So. Right. Anyway, so I feel like we've been <laughs> slightly sidetracked here, Chris. Yeah, but yeah, this I can't like. There's, there's the only things on this being ten was some of the stupid comedic moments. I do agree. 
Yeah, when but, it was hot, this match was hot. Like I say, that chair shot yeah. was fucking brutal. The knees, the um, lariats, you know, it, the striking exchange. That is what it, we wanted from this yeah. match. Not only that, it continued the sort of um, style that the US Championships cultivated since Moxley came in. Yeah, and it's a style I'd like to see. Now, that sort yeah, of like, bleeds into want... the point I want to make in a minute. Okay. Um, and that, so come the end of the match, uh, Moxley has laid out Suzuki with Death Rider and obviously is standing tall as the champion. Um, he's then blindsided by Zack Sabre Jr., who chokes him out, um, seemingly putting himself in line as the next challenger. So you talk about that style that Moxley's cultivated, that sort of hardcore beating the shit out of each other style that we had with Archer, we had with Juice, and we had with John Moxley. Is that style with Moxley going to mesh well with Zack Sabre Jr.? I'm not going to lie, I'm not looking forward to this match, Rob. Go on, talk to me. Zack Sabre Jr. is someone who needs someone to sell. Not someone to bump, but to sell. Moxley isn't a seller. <laughs> Per se, like, no. The best, part, the best part of Moxley's selling was he kept he kept a um, eye patch on from a thing that's going on on Dynamite. That's fine. He still wrestles the same no matter what injury, which is fine in this kind of garbage brawl. Not against Zach, and I don't know. Zach isn't someone who is amazing at taking bombs like he's all right at taking bombs but like he's better when he's wrestling on top which isn't going to be good against moxley because moxley doesn't sell it's just a continuous circle of it's not fucking working you say moxley doesn't sell and i do agree with that but do you think it's more a case of moxley not selling for big moves zach saber jr aside from the zach driver there isn't a lot of actual power moves it's that, that and the PK, they're his only bombs. Sometimes he'll throw a super, uh, German suplex. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe. So but it like, might I, work. Yeah, but like when you think of, when, I don't know, whenever I've seen like Moxley against like someone remotely submission-based, it's felt like a shit WWE match. My issue with this is, and yes, I am going to talk about this, ladies and gentlemen, because it winds me the fuck up. We have got a US expansion at the moment that doesn't have a championship. A US expansion, Chris, which I think you can agree, and every single New Japan fan out there can agree, is failing on its arse. Everyone can agree with that. You're you're drawing worse than Ring of Honor. Exactly. And you can't just keep relying on, oh, look who we've thrown into a tag team match to get your company expansion over. You need something to defend. You need something to care about. And that thing is the US Championship, which is why this fucking belt was created. Now, at the moment, you have got a person who, a drawer as he might be, can't, can't fucking draw defend... You need him. Exactly. You can't draw where you need him to draw. <laughs> you need him to draw in America, and he can't fucking defend the championship. You had the most amazing opportunity because there is probably two wrestlers in that company that are more over in the West than Suzuki. I mean, why would you not put the belt on Suzuki, then have him defend it in America? Because no matter where you are, you put Suzuki at the top of that card in a big marquee singles match, and you will have more than 600 seats sold. But no, instead, we've got another Moxley Championship defence. Now, don't get me wrong, I love Moxley as a champion, but the logistics make this absolutely nonsensical booking. Now, I've heard on many different podcasts that 
basically everyone assumed Suzuki was going to win and sort of implied that this was done as a bit of a swerve. This is a nonsensical swerve. And even though we've now got Moxley versus Zack Sabre Jr., okay, that's great, and don't get me wrong, it will probably be a great match, and Zack Sabre Jr. is amazing. Even if Zack wins that championship, good as Zack is, and I love Zack Sabre Jr., I love all of his matches, I love his work, I think he's great, is he the person to lead the expansion? Is he the person that you want to see at the top of that card? No! No, he's not a leader. He's not a head. He's not a star at the top of a card. Yes, he can afford to headline some, like, the Sengoku Lord Nagoya show, where he took on Ibushi for the Intercontinental Championship. That wasn't sold on the back of ZSJ. It was sold on the back of Ibushi. Yeah, and, like, so... Exactly, this current state is an opponent, not a star. And I'm sorry, and this is completely idiotic. Idiotic not, booking. Yeah, it's not the best way of doing it. But um, not only that, like, Chris... Sorry, Chris, go on. I will stop ranting in a minute. I'm just really angry about it. No, you, you are right. Like, they need... Like, that's why they made clear when the championship was created, this was the long-term goal. And it took us by surprise, because to be honest, they, they've just not mentioned it in the whole time. And, like... I initially thought that's why Moxley was brought in and then like the AW deal came to fruition and that makes more sense. And all, but also, um, Moxley's cultivated a style that will get over in America and it gets, certainly gets over with us, especially as a nice little side attraction of... of Because it's still like a distinctly New Japan-style match with more Americanized things thrown in, like loads of weapon shots. I still... like DSJ is not the person to take it from Moxley. Honestly, I, I agree with you. Suzuki was probably the person who should have taken it from Moxley. Yeah, I honestly think we should move on because we're just going to rant and rant and rant in circles. One last thing then, and it's uh, my last rant, I promise. If New Japan, after building all these feuds out of the back of Wrestle Kingdom and on the New Year Dash show, to then give the American audience nothing, not one of the feuds that came out of it, to then not even give them the championship named after that fucking expansion. Could there be a bigger show of we don't give a fuck about this expansion than what they've done here? Yeah, it's like the fuck you Britain thing that WWE does, but with um A title. With America with well not with a title and with America. And it's funnier when it happens to America, I'm not gonna lie, but it does mean like booking starts to make less sense, which annoys me, especially since I have to hear Rob talk about it. It just, it makes no sense. And anyway, let's let's move on. Main event was the IWGP Heavyweight and IWGP Intercontinental Double Championship match with the Intercontinental and Heavyweight Champion Tetsuya Naito retaining both belts, defeating the challenger Kenta in 35 minutes and 50 seconds after Destino. Chris, I'll let you talk for a bit because my throat hurts. I <laughs> maybe stop <laughs> shouting all the time. Maybe. Um, right. So I enjoyed this match more than most people seem to. I thought, like, people took and complained about the heel antics at the beginning. I thought if you're going to force this match to go half an hour, that's probably a great way to to drag it out. Because by the time Naito's making his comeback and hitting his bombs, you're really happy that Kent is getting hurt. Like it's classic old school. It's like Kevin Owens used to do the same thing. And like I get it's like people don't 
likely sort of tactic, but because Kent is the only one doing them, I'm, fi- I'm fine with it. I agree. Carry on, because otherwise I'll end up overtaking you with all the stuff I want to say, so get right, all your okay. stuff out. <laughs> I, um, that's what she said. Um, I enjoyed the start. I really enjoyed the end when we were throwing bombs at each other and Naito almost died. That was amazing. By the way, very quickly, did you see the selfie that Takahashi put up? Yes, that was amazing. Dead Naito. Amazing. Yeah, and he was just there going, look, look, lads, three champ- championships in NIJ. And it's like, I love you. Hiromi. <laughs> anyway, um, like, uh, yeah, I loved that at the end because I, I don't know how botched that was, but like, Naito didn't seem put off, so I can only assume that was planned. It looked awful. Nasty. It looked nasty, but also, like, Naito wasn't flustered. It wasn't like um, with the Utami match from Stardom. No, it certainly wasn't on that level. Um, Um, But no, this was still... Like, he still managed to do it. We're still pulling off his offense really well, so... Honestly, I, I, I think that is planned. I wouldn't be surprised if that was a blade job, to be honest. Because um, he ran into it in the back of his head, and then the front of his head was bleeding. So, Well, I've heard on uh, the post Pura Resu podcast from Post Wrestling, um, and he did say don't quote him, but I'm going to quote him, um, something like seven stitches and three staples or something Naito's had to, had to have in his head. So yes. probably not that, a blade that... job. <laughs> Okay, fair enough. But <laughs> Obviously, like, you didn't know that at the time. No, but... no, no, no. But um, and it, to be fair, it's been like some some of my memories are a bit hazy right now because I lost my notes. But <laughs> no, like the middle of this match, I've dragged. I, I'm not gonna lie, that that did drag it down. Like honestly, if you had less of a bridge between the start and the end of the match, this would have been approaching a nine for me. As it stands, I do I do rate it highly. I do rate it as an eight. Like a low, a low N eight, but still, still an eight. I think Kent is the most effective feel in New Japan, and I say that as Jay White lives and breathes. Um, I like seriously, you hate him. I would not have been mad if Kent would have won here just to see the Osaka crowd try to murder him. Although, did you see? You know how they turned down his music in Sapporo, seemingly forgetting that Sapporo crowds aren't the best because they weren't making any noise. <laughs> Do you remember that? No, I haven't. I forgot- I forgot to mention it on the on that podcast. But he turned down his music in Sapporo, and then there was no noise coming from the crowd. Why would you do that? Because they because they thought like the music must have been fucking loud. Because they must have assumed that he'd be getting booed out of the building, forgetting that Sapporo is in Tokyo, forgetting that Sapporo is in Osaka. Like honestly, the only crowd from Japan I think is worse than Sapporo is um, Hiroshima. Yeah, maybe that might be because their tour is called the Destruction in Hiroshima tour, which is yeah, but awful. Really, they're really lucky we don't go to fucking Nagasaki because otherwise that tour would just be oh, it'd be awful, <laughs> wouldn't it? It'd be awful, wouldn't? It? Yeah. Well, to be fair, Destruction's never really all that worth watching. Anyway, but before we go on the Destruction run, yeah, like honestly, I I don't hate this match as much as most people seem to, and but I think that's because a lot of people watch. New Japan for a type of wrestling, and this wasn't it for most of the match. Okay, so I agree with you on quite a few points, actually. I mean, I gave it a 7, and I will... I mean, you gave it a low 8, I gave it a high 7, so we're roughly in the same area. My issues were, and I will, I will say, that closing stretch was great, and this match, horrible as it sounds, drastically improved once Naito was busted open. 
because everything meant more um he was dropping kenta extra hard probably because he was pissed off for throwing him into the turnbuckle so hard um i do love that the northern lights bomb has been added to um to naito's offense yeah that is great that is great um again closing stretch fantastic um yep only one Destino. Thought it was a little bit weird, but, you know, the match did go 35 minutes, so Kenta was probably exhausted. I thought the match went too long. There was... I, I do agree that it went too long. There's not a chance this match should be closing in on 40 minutes. There's just... There's no need for that whatsoever. I agree. I think the heel tactics at the start, great. Build that heat from the Osaka crowd. You know they're going to respond... Build it up. That was great. It lasted too long, though. It lasted two minutes too long. Um, because, obviously, don't forget, you had Kenta doing it, then you had Naito doing it. So, you know, it's that Taichi Naito problem from Sapporo. Do it's it no by all means. Not as bad. No I will bad. grant you it is not as bad, hence why I've given it a 7, not a 5. Um, but if you're going to do it, you need to time it better. There was a lull in the middle. I agree with you, but it is a different style of match. They were trying to tell a different story to, you know, say, a Takahashi and a Ryu Lee, or even a Moxley and a Suzuki. It's a like, different like I, style. Like I said, the bridge needed to be short. Like, if the bridge, like, because that stretch went on for, I want to say, like, 10, 15 minutes. It went on for a good third of this match. I agree. So, so like, if that was more like... Um, a sixth, and the other two were um, like three sixths. That makes no sense. That's not how mass works. If one was a seventh, <laughs> and the other two, <laughs> and the other, t- <laughs> and the other two were three sevenths, it would be much better. <laughs> oh, that should be a segment of every young lion cast. Chris does maths. That was- <laughs> One As you two, were saying plus, it, I could... One al- plus one plus one equals three. Quick, um, Chris Math. We could almost hear then, through your speaker, just... As your brain sort of kicks into gear. <laughs> just the cogs whirring, and then you go, wait a minute. <laughs> um, Chris, you evil son of a bitch, you've done it again. Um... I agree. I think I think the bridge was too long, and I think that started to take away a little bit from the match. I texted you partway through saying, this is dangerously close to being boring and yeah. it worries me slightly yeah it, it does worry me slightly about you know we're used to okada having you know irrelevant of what you think about him and the choke he had on the iwgp heavyweight championship scene he would have outstanding matches pretty much without fail this wasn't an outstanding match it was a good match it wasn't outstanding i mean don't get me wrong you have got two competitors who are you know Getting on in age, let's let's not make any bones about it, and are sort of limited in what they can do. Uh, Naito insists on trying to break his own neck, and, you know, Kenta is one injury away probably from retirement, but you have got to make allowances for that. I just think what they were trying to do, they took too long trying to do. Does that make sense? Yeah, but to be fair, like, in hindsight, I have this, like I said earlier, I have the same issues with the Sonata feuds, especially like with a lot of Okada matches in the last reign, that was my that was an issue I had. So like quite honestly, I don't think this is exclusive to 
um, Naito, I do think it's a wrestling-wide com- problem. We talked we talked about it when we talked about Takeover before we um, came on air today. Yeah, you're absolutely um, right. It's a, it's a wrestling-wide, and it's, I think it's why I and I think I don't know if you thought about it as much as I have, but like I think it's also part of the reason why like, you've gotten to stardom because they're not like, for example, Tam Nakano versus Kagetsu match of the year candidate. If we're going by eight out of ten or above, is a match of the year candidate. And um, that was 10 minutes long. So, or like Momo versus May, match of the year candidate, 20 minutes long. I think Shingo and Ishii, not Shingo and Ishii, sorry, Shingo and Goto proved, yeah, proved that they didn't have to go 30 minutes to tell a great story or to have a great match. We're literally going to get into this in the next podcast that's going to be uploaded. Shinya Hashimoto versus Kejimuto G1 finals that went what 20 summit minutes but perfect length for it yeah i don't think it was long at all to be honest but like i say i i gave it a high seven um it will be interesting i'm really really looking forward now to who naito takes on at sakura genesis on the 31st of march and who wins the new japan cup because for me there are quite a few options you can have um, you can have Jay White, but I don't think they'll do that because we've already had that so many fucking times. They're obviously yeah. Not- the problem is if they're going to continue, it depends what we do. If we take uh, if, if the cancer thing was just a little sidebar and chaos are going to continue feuding with Lij, then you have like a plethora. You have Ichi, you have even Goto. Um, could be credible. Yano would be funny, but also don't do that. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but like when it comes to Bullet Club, like I'd rather have another Jay White match than a Tamatonga match. I'd I'd be very very surprised if they give the win to Jay White just because we've seen that match so many times. The problem is oh, the yeah. Naito winning it and Naito staying champion is that it takes out Sonada, Evil, Shingo, who are three yeah. of your more interesting heavyweight matchups. Yeah, it, it takes out um, Okada because they're not going to do that on a minor show. It takes out um, Jay White because. We, we've we had it so many times. I mean, you've got Ibushi, uh, t- potentially. T- well, no, because Ibushi's currently in a um, redemption arc in the tag division, so he's out, as is Tanahashi, because they're in the tag division. You've got the chance, then, to build up someone, someone like, dare I say, a Juice Robinson. <laughs> you know... I, I would not be opposed. I would not be opposed to Juice getting a shot, especially in something like a Sakura Genesis. Um... It's very because again, like the three, um, a lot of most interesting heavyweight um filler options. Uh, but like so many things are spoken for, which makes me really scared. It's going to be Suzuki, and they've never had a good match. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, yeah, they haven't. I wouldn't be surprised if we end up with Ishi and Taichi in the final, and Ishi winning it. Yeah. Yeah, um, that's what because we get Ishi Naito like once a year at the G one, and then like that was just one full of defense. Exactly, um, and it's and always a great match, always a great match, and you've then built Taichi back up to yeah. a relatively big standard. Yeah, like to be fair, if they did that, I wouldn't be surprised if they had Taichi win the IC Championship off of Naito, and then because yeah. someone needs to take the IC title off him at some point which is what makes it intriguing and honestly Naito's the type where I wouldn't be surprised if he did open it up to LIJ like I wouldn't be surprised if he had like um I think I said this before but like have a Shingo or an Evil or a Sonata win the cup 
and then go for the icy title instead of the heavyweight title. And then go, well, even if we lose, the title's still in LIJ. Would you then not have a heavyweight title defense at Sakura Genesis? <sighs> this is a hard one, isn't it? It's a hard one to book. I'm interested to see where they're going to go. Yeah. Um, just quickly before we round off this podcast, obviously at the end, Tetsuya Naito does get to do his LIJ roll call, which he was so rudely sort of stopped from doing at the Tokyo Dome. He calls out Hiromu and they make official the match for the anniversary show, which will be Naito versus uh, Hiromu. Hiromu is of the opinion that this should be for the title, to which <laughs> the president went, no. no. So I thought that was I thought that was hilarious. I love Hiromu. Like, like, we also apply, well, we do apply to Hiromu, but he doesn't think we do. It's amazing. Um, so yeah, that sets up that amazing main event for the anniversary show. Now, if last year's anniversary show is anything to go by. We should have some interesting matchups there. Obviously, last year we had the match between Ishimori and Liger and between Switchblade and Osprey, which, again, was a really, really good match. Well, I... Obviously, that match was for a title or in a G1, that would be a match of the year. I'll be honest, Chris, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Osprey winning the uh, New Japan Cup. Oh, fuck, he's a heavyweight now. We forgot to say that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, you know what? Yeah, go ahead. Fucking do it. Strap a rocket. Osprey versus Naito. I'm not saying win it. I'm not saying win the championship. Osprey's Osprey's headline seen more hole before. This could work. Uh, yes, he has. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, that is our review of the new beginning in Osaka. Thank you so much for waiting so patiently for it. We're sorry it was a little bit delayed, but again, we have got another podcast to enjoy as well. In the meantime. You can follow us on Twitter at the Young Lioncast. Same with Facebook at the Young Lioncast. You can talk to me on Twitter at Real Rob Goodwin. Uh, Chris, though he uses the Real Podmania, sorry, the Podmania Twitter handle to live tweet and to shit post. What is your actual Twitter handle, Chris? No go to. <laughs> it's so appropriate for this podcast and no others. It's brilliant. Yeah, no, it's not just that. Also, it was actually no go to on this card. There was an there was actually no goto on this card. Um, if you want to check out our podcast archives, please go to www.podmania.co.uk where you can check out all of the podcasts that we have done and some of the other great podcasts on the network, including the Podmania podcast, the Wrestling with Johnners podcast, the Chris Corner that we mentioned earlier. Um, this podcast, obviously, in our Stardom podcast, our monthly Stardom podcast. Um, yeah. Make sure you subscribe wherever you can. We are everywhere. Please give us a subscribe, a listen, a like, five-star review, wherever. We will be greatly appreciative. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen, and we'll talk to you guys again soon. <laughs>